It's Tia. It's been a Mississippi minute, but we bite, baby. What's up, Pink Posse? It's your girl, Josh. And yep, we back at it like a crack at it. It's your girl, Jiggy, a.k.a. Tanika. Listen, pull up on us. It's time to cut up, because we back. What's up, Pink Posse? It's your girl, Koji. And we're back. Pink Sunday Radio. Well, hello, hello, hello. Happy Pink Sunday, everyone. I'm Koji. I have my other co-host on the line, Tia. Hello, hello, hello. Tanika. Hey, y'all. Ja. What's popping, Pink Poppy? Oh, okay. She popping away, <laughs> y'all. All right. <laughs> that was a new little intro for Ja. I think she must be feeling real good today. All right, so last night we that was all right. So last night we uh re re rewatched one oh five belly. And as y'all know I love to give credit where credit is due. So the director was Gita Patel, the writer was Katori Hall. The cinematographer was Nancy Schreiber, music supervisor, Sarah Bromberg, and Stephanie Diaz-Marco. Before we get into our disclaimer and flow of the show, we want to remind you guys, because we have five days left, and that's crazy. Time goes by very fast. Five days left until the NAACP voting closes. You know the categories. They are six categories. Outstanding actor and actress, drama series, outstanding supporting actor and actress, as well as soundtrack compilation album, okay? And um, we we need you. I, I think we even said, what was it, you guys, to, to infiltrate the fundraiser picks, okay? Like Girl Scouts, we, I mean, selling almond. You remember how you used to sell the dollar almond cookies? Okay, bitch, it's like canvas time. You feel me? Like it's time to vote. Okay, you got got to take this very seriously. Like if you want to see the cast on stage, that's what we need y'all to do. Like it's up to us at this point, all right? Also, let's see. I think I've already told y'all. Um, what we nominated for last week. Oh, Queer Tees. Queer Tees is another nomination that we received. We are voted for Best Drama. Nico is voted for Best Performance in a Drama. So you need to go to QueerTee.com, and you can go to each category. You know, you don't have to go through the whole thing, but you can go to each category and vote for us and him um, in those categories as well, okay? I think voting closes when, you guys? Is that February 21st for that one? Correct? That's correct. Uh, okay, thank you. Thank you, Tia. Okay, so I will let Ja get into the disclaimer and the flow of the show. All right, Pink Posse. 
Please mute your phones when you're not talking to prevent background noise as much as possible. We definitely want to hear what you have to say. However, try to be as concise as possible. That means brief and yet comprehensive. Once your point is made, we may disconnect you, but please hit us back if you would like to speak on another topic. And now I like, would like to give a brief disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this show are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or position of any entities they represent unless specifically quoted. This show is rated mature for language and subject. Listener discretion is advised. All right. Thank you so much, Josh, for the disclaimer. Okay. Does anybody else want to add? Did I miss something? I feel like I missed something in that intro. Okay, maybe not. All right, so let's get this thing started. At the beginning of the episode, we opened up with Mississippi on the pole to follow. Now, I feel like Miss Mississippi is definitely in her power. She is feeling herself. Um, and we we need uh, Lauren Hawkins, Lala at the very beginning at this time. She has came from what's her what's her city? Super Chulahoma. 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 <laughs> where apparently all the rich people stay because that's where she's trying is from also. Chulahoma. Oh, okay. My bad. That's right. Okay. She is she has came all the way down, honey, because she has heard uh-huh. it was Mercedes last dance. And she is celebrating her, what you say, decor, and she's ready to see. Unfortunately, Mercedes had gotten herself into a bit of a tussle, and she got mistaken. So she still got a good show. She's in the VIP. And what I found so, not funny, but Sip turned into Cliff when she was talking to Lala. Like, she got in her grill. It was really a reflection moment that she turned on Lala. And Gidget even said something. Do y'all want to get into that scene? I would love to hear y'all thoughts on that whole little moment right there. I'll start with Tia and go around the table. So... Um, so this is the thing about the first scene that we come in with um, <laughs> murder, boot booty, butt booty naked on the couch. Um, my biggest thing about you this first what? scene <laughs> we come in is how Uncle's looking in the mirror. Because there's a lot of different um, kind of thoughts on that. Now, Katori has said that she's, to me, she was looking in the mirror and having some type of body dysmorphia or something along those lines. Although Katori mm-hmm. said it wasn't that. It's just that it was like they did a lot that night and she was feeling bad. I have never taken it that way. I've always taken it like what I always took it as she was feeling weird looking at the mirror in her male form. 
Um, and when she was putting on robe and putting on the wig, it was like, okay, whew, mm-hmm. now I'm back to being me. So I don't know what other people's thoughts were of Unc looking in the mirror in that first scene. I think I, I definitely got some of that. Um, Katori said it was all morning after regret, but the way she quickly put on that robe, like, I don't know what it was because Nico said it wasn't, she didn't have any issues with her body or any of that. But like so many people felt that when they watched that scene, I think we all didn't make up the same thing watching that. So it had to be something and maybe it was something that they didn't intend to be there in that scene. But I definitely got all the things that you said you felt watching that also. Okay. I'll add my opinion. Go ahead, John. Um, so I guess we say in hell with that <laughs> conversation with I know. Lauren. And, look, I and, look, I asked Tia this, about the conversation with Lala and Mississippi, and she said, fuck that, let's go to, I get you, go ahead, Josh. We, we started. Right. Go I low. love he had forgot yeah. the question you asked, so I just went to where I wanted to go. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. This bitch, this bitch. It, it was cool or whatever. When, listen, now last time when Shannon called in, we threw away that first page, but Tia said we throwing away the first damn dot on the outline, okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, with that being said, oh my God, um, I love y'all. Uh, okay. Um, oh my on my first watch, I did think that, because I didn't know anything about the show, I did think that Unc was you know, looking at her body, what I thought she was having was one of those moments sometimes, like, LaMurda is young, he's fit, as we can see, you know, with him on the couch, everything was in all the right places and such, you know, and, you know, she was a, (laughs) you know, um, not that I thought she was, you know, having an issue with being plus size, but just being like, what does he want with me? He's younger, I'm older, you know, um, what is this going on? You know, and just checking out herself and looking at herself um, in that mirror. Um, I loved that Nico did clear it up when uh, Nico was asked, was that, you know, was she having some issues with her body? He said, hell no. (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) He was like, she loves that skin that she's in. She knows she's thick and beautiful and all of that. Um, so I definitely think we've all had that moment maybe once or twice where uh, you let the moment get to you. You did a few things that, you know, you're not proud of after your head is cleared up, and you're like, oh, man. But my thing was, what was the thought when she was standing up over that young man brushing her beard? <laughs> she was. I feel like Uncle Cleaver was standing there like, that's right, young and knocked your ass out. <laughs> <laughs> That's the part that stood out to me. Like she was brushing her beard, she was supervising the situation. Well, Murder had his thumb in his mouth. You know what I'm saying? He was, okay, not really, but you know, she put baby to bed, <laughs> oh, which no. is what Alphonse uh, said on Twitter. Like he was sleep. Like she did put him to sleep, tucked in, really nice. Yeah. Okay. 
this is what I thought. I know that um, Nico said that she had no problem with um, her body and everything else. I mean, and I didn't hear that at the time. Of course, as a watcher, you're just watching, so you're not getting opinions yet. You know what I'm you know what I'm saying? Like you're not going through interviews and and at that time to be honest, I wasn't just on Katori's timeline to know what her thoughts were after the show. So I was just um basically watching with raw eyes. It was a situation like after you've had an intimate situation and sort of reflecting, did, did did my partner see this scar? Did my partner see this this uh, lump? Did my partner see this? Like, oh, God, they didn't have a problem with this phone. They didn't have a problem with this. Do I need to do something with this part? Oh, my God. Like, I hope they were okay with it, like I know that's not necessarily body dysmorphia or anything, but it is like a feeling of insecurity when you are intimate with someone. Like, do they really love like all of me? Because you can be intimate with someone because somebody want to get some booty, you know? Like, shit, sex feels good. And, you know, sometimes nobody gives a fuck what you look like. They just want to have sex, you know. So there can be an, a point the next day where you're like, does the person really like me for me? Was it just sex, you know. And I murder coming back later on in the episode when we talk about it was kind of like a shock. You know, it's like I'm learning your name. You telling me you want to take me out on a date. I think it was like, oh, oh, shit. Okay, you like me for real, for real. So I think it was a reflection of, what. oh, was it just sex? It was it, you know. So I don't know if that makes sense, but I know I've, I've done that. So that's just my opinion. Okay, so we can, we can move on. Um, anybody have anything to add? Everybody's quiet. Um, what about what you just said? No, I think, um, I agree. You know, sometimes, you know, when you're well, when you're dressed fully, you know, your body looks one way and when all the clothes come off, you know, you're there bare, you're naked. So all your flaws (laughs) or what you might feel are flaws are visible. And so I could definitely see that. That is what you were talking about, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so so Lauren is drunk on the damn phone, which, y'all, how the fuck does that happen? Like, you know how uh, Big L and Diamond is supposed to make sure the floor is all the Patrons are supposed to be out, like security. How the fuck her drunk ass is still there? I'm like so confused. Like at the end of the night at any club, 
you're supposed to sweep the bathroom, like sweep the the um. And when I say sweep, I mean you know what I'm saying, right? Uh, security, like look right? around. Mm-hmm. You supposed mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You supposed to make sure everybody out of there. How the fuck her ass is on the floor, even if she was in the bathroom throwing up because she was drunk. How the fuck is her ass still there? I was so confused. I'm like, how the fuck did that happen? Uh, I mean, I know well, that's the way that club was looking when I walked out there. They ain't did nothing but walked out and half locked the door. <laughs> <laughs> Was still everywhere. I'm like, y'all ain't gonna clean before you go or nothing. Just everything everywhere. So if they didn't clean up the trash, they certainly didn't look for no people. So I I have to assume they all went outside to to see what the foreclosure notice was on the door, and they were all going to come back in and do all that afterwards and tip out and all that because Uncle Clifford didn't get none of her money for the night. The club is a mess, and everybody is standing outside. And when she fell out, they all stepped over her and went back inside. So I assume they're going to go clean up now. She done got Lauren out. It's time to give up your money. It's tip-out time, and let's clean this mess up, I'm assuming. Because nothing else makes sense if they weren't doing that. Okay. But but if they did that, they still didn't find Lil' Murda. Um, you know, with the full moon on the, know. The, you know what I'm saying? Cause Big L had to ask, well, how little nigga get back here? So he had to ask that. He didn't know little nigga was back there. Wait a second, but I told y'all, Big L what walked in me? on them. Big L walked I in agree. on them while they were making that jukebox fight for his life, mm-hmm. and then he turned around <laughs> and went Wait and did tip out feel. somewhere Wait. else. <laughs> Wait, Tia, wait, wait. Tia, I don't recall that, baby. Tia, I don't recall you telling us that, baby. Uh-uh. I have said it most oh, no, times. I remember. I remember. She mm-hmm. said that. <laughs> That's why Big L went in there. He was like, what is going on with the juice box? I just, what is, oh, what is all this noise? <laughs> Not big girl walking in on the ship. That no. fighting for its life. He walked back mm, out like that's why you know what? Me. That's why that's why murder knew that pretty brown eyes was on that selection menu. Mm. <laughs> okay. okay. I was oh. wondering. I was wondering. I was like, now how little nigga know that's in that jukebox? Uh, the only thing on that jukebox selection menu for murder was us ass, but you know, whatever. So, what about how Unc dramatic ass falls out? So, I want to say it was John Tisha who said she wondered what Uncle Legs was. He had on that little skimpy, uh, silky number. Did all Uncle Clifford mm-hmm. business get out in the street? I mean, it must not have. And they just 100%. was like, you know her dramatic ass. And they just they just ignored all that. It was like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, baby. No. <laughs> she said, no. But 
when we see that picture of the BTS, she fell like a lady. Her legs was crossed, you know, like your grandmama taught you, you know. So maybe Uncle Clifford did keep her, you know, personal business to herself. But I thought that was hilarious that she asked that on the timeline. <laughs> okay, so real quick, let's talk about how uh, Haley can't get any any more money, okay? Haley can't get any more money. And you know what gets on my nerves? Like, bitch, you already got a lot of money. And it's like, it's not even your money. Like, you running a fraud game. And the way that she's just like, I can't stand people who are schemers and then they get mad at the scheme that's no longer working. Like, you are running a fraud game. And they have policies, ladies, and the gig is up. And you making a fuss about it. Like, I never understood people who do that. So the the gig is up, and then you see Lauren, her drunk ass, going all through Chuckalisa, and she about to run into the thing, and the reaction was just, like, from her and the teller lady. was like, okay. But so somehow Sheriff Bailey was able to navigate that situation and bring her in into the sheriff's office, and that was a whole, I wonder how long that that whole scene took to shoot, because there was so much going on down at the jail. Like, there was so much dialogue, so much happening. You had Mercedes, Lauren, the jailers, the conversation with Cliff in the office, there was just entire, and then Montavious, like, that's the first time we meet him. There was so much going on. So let's first discuss in the sheriff's office, Sadie's, I guess Sadie's and Jesse. Do y'all want to add anything to that? Because what I don't understand is why was Sadie so shocked at that being Jesse? Like, am I forgetting something? Because, yes, he was at the club, but she also knew who that was at the church. So why was she like, Jesse? So confused. Did I miss something? No, I don't think you missed he don't, anything. He, I, don't look, he don't look that different out of the uniform. Like, the nigga don't look different. I think she was more maybe upset at having to deal with Jesse there because I'm pretty sure she knew he was he worked for the sheriff's department or whatever this is. So I don't think she was really okay. shocked to see him, but, like, I'm dealing mm-hmm. with all of this, and now I got to deal with Jesse's ass too. So it was just one more thing okay. for her to, to go go through right then. Okay. Okay. I think she mm-hmm. just wasn't right. paying attention. Like, I think she was still the adrenaline and everything from having um, mm-hmm. only partly beat her mama mm-hmm. up because it was not $20,000 worth of ass whooping for me. But nope. I think the adrenaline of what happened, she was kind of like in a daze and just talking. And then when she realized it was Jesse, it was like, oh, shit. Like, now I got it. Like y'all okay. said, now I got to deal with this nigga. So I, I don't think it was that she didn't recognize him. I just don't think she was paying attention at first. Okay. 
Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. I think what also could be at play here is, you know, when they were at the club, they had, you know, they had some issues with each other, right? And then she took his wallet, Mm -hmm. you know, he saw that moment. So now you're in the jail and he's, you know, the officer. So it's almost like also like, Jesse, like, damn, like now I'm at, his mercy. Now, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. he's got the upper hand. And plus, maybe she doesn't right. really know his character. You know, because I feel like collectively we all thought um, that scene later on when he takes her to have her phone call and, you know, he walks up to her. And I think collectively we were like, oh, no, you know, he's about to do something to her, whether it's sexually, whether it's physically. But then we got the surprise he softened and, you know, felt, um, you know, gave her some grace in that moment and said, hey, you know. But I, I definitely feel like mm-hmm. because of the events leading up, it very well could have turned into, oh, okay, yeah, you know, you got me kicked out the club, you stole my wallet, now mm-hmm. I got your ass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so I feel like it could be a little bit of all of those emotions, honestly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, Question for y'all. What made Sadie realize that must have been murder song that Lala was let me stop calling this lady Lala. My my cousin nicknamed is Lala. What was it the cadence? Was it the type of like what made uh Mercedes say, Who who sang that song? I don't think she realized it was Murder Song, but, well, she may have. I think it it sounded good, and she's like, we're, mm-hmm. like she's never heard the song before. So she like, mm-hmm. how are you singing the song? What you singing? And then it made her question it. I'm not sure if she thought it was Murder's song because she's the only other person that's mm-hmm. heard anything from Murder other than Sit on My Lap at this point is Unk and Never Scared. So mm-hmm. it's no way that... Mm-hmm. After, you know, the rapping and cursive, it's no way Mercedes is going from rapping and cursive to thinking this is a little murder song. She definitely didn't know it was murder song because she literally asked Lauren who sang that. I think it was just the fact that Lauren was singing it over and over again. And it, like like Tia said, it sounded pretty good. And she wanted to know whose song it was. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. if she knew that Lauren had come from the club, so maybe that was a song she heard in That's the club what or what? That's what I was asking. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what I was thinking. I was like, hmm, I wonder if she realized she was sloppy drunk coming, because we've said this over and over, right? Like, the pink seems like it is just the only joint in town, right? Like, it is just the only place. Club, strip, it is literally where you go to get some wings, a burger, entertainment, it's everything. So you coming in with an outfit, drunk, makeup on, you got to be coming from the bank. So that's why I was like, hmm, I wonder what she just like, where you you heard that song from? Any kind of music, any kind of music, and you got an outfit on, you got to be coming from the bank, you know? So anyway, any thoughts on that, Josh? Um, no, I also wondered, you know, what was the thought press that, because it interrupted Mercedes, Mercedes kind of resisting 
her arrest and fingerprinting that it did. So maybe we're just to understand that Fallen is that hit. I mean, we know it is, but, like, Fallen is that hit that stops you in your, pardon me, in your tracks, no matter what's going on. You're getting arrested and fingerprinted. You're about to knock the police officer in the head, and then you hear Fallen. You're like, what's that? Mm -hmm. You know, what you saying? Mm -hmm. That's just my thought. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we have Nineveh. Nineveh is in the male cell. And I guess I can just skip a little part just because I want to bring up how she was in the male cell and had to prove that she didn't have a male part. What what did she have to do there? Did, That's what I've always wondered. Did you find out that? In the episode? No, like, I, what? No, I, I always saw anything. I, no, I, I always assumed it was some type of strip search or something that she had to go through in order yeah, to be put I, in with the women. Okay. That's what I thought. I thought she just, like, raised the dress and, and then said told y'all I didn't have any something and, and mm-hmm. walked out. That, that's what it just seemed like a quick flash. And I'm just like, okay, y'all could have done that in the beginning. I, in the comments, know. in the chat, Chunky Falunky is saying she thinks somebody um, lifted up her skirt, and that's what I personally think too. And then oh. it was like a whole thing. And then it was like, okay, okay we've got to move her because this is now dangerous. Okay, then. Okay. That's a good point, Chucky. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Thank you for your uh, added comment. Thank you. Okay. So let me ask you guys a question real quick. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So a big topic, and I know this is getting off, but a big topic about jail when it comes to transgender people is when a person is arrested, do you, you know, put them in the, you know, in the section of their um, their birth, you know, sex or their trans identity? Does it matter whether they are post-op or pre-op? Um, and I know a lot of people, you know, we, people say, you know, it shouldn't matter if they identify as, um, female, they should be on the female side. If they identify as male, they should be on the male side. But then we do run that risk of, um, like, let's say a person is pre-op transgender male, they are put on the male side. Do you run the risk of that transgender person being harmed? Because we already know that in a lot of situations there's um, rape that goes on male to male, but then you have a person who has a vagina. So is that a danger? Is that a situation? The, I, I think that this part kind of um, touches on that situation that we see sometimes on the news about where do you place a transgender person, um, like I said, whether pre-op, post-op, or whatever the situation. Do you guys have any thoughts on that, or how do you – 
any suggestions on how you think they can, that that situation can be rectified where everyone feels respected but is also safe? I think in the real world it's typically institution to institution, like though the people that are mm. over that jail or that prison decide that because there's so many variables with it. Like what you just said, if there is someone that's um, in maybe they're pre-op, but they've taken all of – they are well into their hormone replacement therapy. So they're pre-op, so they still have, like, let's say it's a transgender woman. She's pre-op, so she still has male genitalia, but – Outwardly, she's far enough in her hormone therapy that she looks like a woman. It's it's two issues that you are having there because you put her in the male cells and she looks like a woman even though she's a man and she gets harmed. But then their society is she looks like a woman but she still has male genitalia. So you put her in the female prison and now she's having sex with all the female inmates. So it's, it is such a tricky subject because of these things, and I don't know what the, like, bottom line solution is, because I don't know if there is one. Right. Because I feel like, too, if we go as far as the whole situation of being like, now you have to create a different space, that's still um, segregating, um, for lack of a better word. So it's like, what is the solution that everyone would be comfortable with. Um, I do think that those are some things, though, that have to have some deep uh, and long conversations um, that involve, you know, both cisgender and transgender people to come up with the solution that's the safest and the best. Because I know a lot of people feel like prison is prison and it doesn't matter, but I think it very much does because sometimes people who go there spend a very large portion of their life there and safety, um, as much safety as possible, should be considered. Yeah, I agree with that job, but honestly, I feel like it just depends on the state. <laughs> and oh, yeah. oh God, I mean, it's and it's very unfortunate to be honest. Um, the lack of care and the lack of safety that is given to our transgender brothers and sisters. Um, because, I mean, but just look at how they kind of throw them to the wayside when they go missing or they're killed. Like, they don't, they definitely don't care about them in jail, you know, uh, especially if you live in deep red states, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, that that question is just so complex. And uh, I can do a whole dissertation about that one, um, but but I definitely understand. I, I yeah. definitely understand, and I, I really, I really do sympathize with that because it, it it it's like with transgender, it's like it depends on the what the. It's always about what someone looks like. Not what someone feels. That that's the world we live in. You know what I'm saying? What someone looks like. It it doesn't matter how you feel about yourself. You know, like I can tell you, I feel this way. 
I can't afford to transition. You know what I'm saying? Because the shit is expensive. You know what I'm saying? I, I can't afford mm-hmm. to transition because it's not medically possible. I don't have X, Y, Z amount of money to afford this hormones and that hormones. Um, but this is who I feel like. This is who I am. And it's very unfortunate that you are not respected as that. You have to actually completely transform a lot of times to be respected as such, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's, it's just a lot. I, I, I could just go on and on with that. But yeah. Yeah. Well, there, you know, there's this is definitely question. not a charge for <laughs> Yeah, it's not a charge for Pink Sunday Radio, but I definitely think uh, I know. this moment I know, opens up. No, 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 I'm not saying you're, yeah, no, I was just going to say that uh, it's nice, though, to open up those conversations, and hopefully those that um, are in positions to maybe in their respective states, you know, look into that if that's a passion that you have, you know, maybe someday, somewhere in the future, something um can be done, but I definitely think those conversations need to be had. Yeah, for sure. Most definitely, most definitely. Um, okay, so let's move to us first meeting, Montavious. Do y'all have any um, thoughts about meeting Montavious for the first time? Girl, he could say that damn here. I know that. Anyway, do y'all have any thoughts? Oh, my God, you Justin, he ain't winning no Oscars for that performance he did in the sheriff's office, but I guess it was <laughs> enough for Sheriff Bailey. That one cheer didn't do it for you, John? <laughs> Not at all. The little handshake, I wanted to slap him like just throw up. So I was trying to remember, at this point, did we know that Montavious had been uh, abusive to Haley? I couldn't remember if she had told us that yet when he popped up. No, I don't think so. I think there was clues because she's how she's spoken about Mississippi. Um, I think that she may have said some things at that point that made it seem like it's something she's experienced, but I don't think we knew that, but I think that they, the one thing that they did do a good job of in this scene, um, is whatever happened between them, the parting wasn't good. Yeah, I would agree. And I know you'll notice Montavious, somebody always bumping into Montavious. Like, <laughs> Uncle Clifford came in there, ran into him, and then we see later on when Montavious is leaving the club. Or, no, he's entering the club, and Andre comes in and shoulder bumps him on the way out. Like, I wonder what came up that made that like a a running gag. Like, when you see Montavious just run into him a little bit so he knows that he ain't welcome around here. Coming in there with that suit and that, yeah, he just look like he comes from somebody Mount Calvary, don't he? Anyway, in another like character, Montavious can kind of fine though. Like I ain't gonna take that away. It's just you know, in this character, it's enough. Oh my god, here we go. But he might. 
Tanika, Tanika, please wrangle her. Please, please, and don't agree. Do not. Okay, I mean, I don't completely disagree. She might be right. I mean, I, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave that at that. Please don't make this three against one. I'm done. <laughs> oh, no, Bye. I'm not checking for Montavious at all. No. He, he was all right or whatever, but not like he that. He ain't ugly, oh, though. No, he's not ugly, but I didn't see my previous oh, and go, ooh. On, all right, man. All right. Okay, here we go. All right, so, okay, he eyed and he's fine and all of it. Anyway, moving on. So let's get to the real cute part because I love how Chef Bailey respects Uncle Clifford pronouns. Their relationship is so cute to me, like, Get on Chef Bailey nerves like this. Cliff be doing the most, but it's just like, don't be doing your nails like that, Cliff. Oh my God. Like the size that he lets out, but he loves Cliff. Like, I wonder the relationship clearly goes back. I wondered, and I've said this before. Did he work at the club? Like, is security? You know, a lot of cops, they do, you know, um, off-duty work. Like, I just wonder what their relationship has been for a long time. Does anybody want to add anything to that office moment with Uncle Cliff? And then, you know, when Cliff found out that Sadie was in jail, he was like, you don't let me see my Sadie. And he respected that. So anybody want to add their thoughts on that moment? I have always loved the relationship between Sheriff Bailey and Uncle Clifford. And I do want to see what is it? Like, is there – because typically I think a lot of what we see – so I think there's some Olivia Pope to Uncle Clifford as to, like, how Big L and Diamond are. I always felt like that's the kind of, like, she saved them from whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big something mm-hmm. that we see. But with her and Sheriff Bailey, I almost feel like, so Uncle Clifford and Corbin are best friends because they're both outliers and outsiders and there's some things about Mm -hmm. them that aren't accepted by the mainstream and I think they've connected partly in that I wonder if that's the same with Sheriff Bailey like maybe in future Mm -hmm. seasons there's something about Sheriff Bailey that makes him an outsider or an outlier because his kind Mm -hmm. of hesitation of going into the pink in that first in in episode Mm -hmm. one when they were like Mm -hmm. come on in and it was almost like an addict to me. That was his reaction, like maybe a sex addict or something like that, because it was like, nah, if I go in there, it's going to be a slippery slope back to where, damn, slippery slope just kicked my ass. It's going to be a slippery slope back <laughs> to the addiction like you know same thing with like an alcoholic or something like that or maybe it is alcoholism Mm -hmm. or I don't know but I think Mm -hmm. there's something like about Sheriff Bailey that for someone to be Mm -hmm. a white dude growing up in the south who could easily think of Uncle Clifford in a lot of different ways the respect that he always Mm -hmm. has for her 
the mm-hmm. uh like mm-hmm. their kind of relationship i think there's something there where it's a little secret that Sheriff Bailey is holding that only Uncle Clifford knows, and she's never treated him mm. differently because of that. Mm. Yeah, I, I think I agree with yeah. that. I think um, it's, it's definitely some secret of his that she knows because I think that was the first episode. The way that she invited him in, she she knew very well that he wasn't going to go in there. So I, I like you. I don't know what it is, but I hope we get the backstory on whatever that is. He probably, I'm assuming that he knew Ernestine. He's been probably in the sheriff's department for a while, so he knew Ernestine when it was Ernestine's juke joint. That was probably, you know, whatever secret he had probably started back then when it was hers. So I hope we we further that story and we get into whatever that is. Oh, he was probably mm-hmm. Ernestine's boo at one time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> mm. Okay. So guys, I kind of have a different thought. Yeah, so I have a different. So some, this just came up to me, and it's a, a mix of two different mm. thoughts. So please bear with me. So as um, Mm. Koji was initially talking, my mind said, what if it it took me to um, my friends? So some of my friends, we have a relationship where um, we pick at each other and say crazy stuff, and it's kind of like nothing, nobody thinks about nothing. You know, like they're always having like a serious talk, and Sharon Bailey's always like, I don't know, your wheels are making me dizzy. And it's like, what? <laughs> you know, like, don't click your nails, mm-hmm. you know. So it's more of a casual, you know, thing. And so, you know, there's certain things I do sometimes with some of some of my friends, you know, where they'll be talking about something and I'll point it out or pick at them or whatever. But then I thought, we know mm-hmm. that Uncle Clifford and Big L and robbed some banks. We know Big L used to be in jail. It seems like Uncle Clifford, and I feel like Sheriff Bailey is older, you know, considerably older than Uncle Clifford. So what, you know, in my mind it goes to what if Uncle Clifford, you know, she's young, she's getting into things, you know, and Sheriff Bailey was that older person who had the patience and the understanding. And so maybe, you know, talking to her like, Cliff, are you in trouble again? You know, you need to, you know, do this thing. And it became that respect. Like, I respect you because you didn't just see me especially as Sheriff Bailey being a white man, you didn't just see me as another nigger. You didn't just see me as trash to be thrown away. When I did get in trouble, you know, you were there to try to talk some sense into me. And then when I became an entrepreneur and changed my life, you've always been there and you worked with me. Like this man wants to do something, like Mayor Ruffin wants to put implement something that's going to mess with my business. And for a little extra something, you know, a few extra uh, lemon pepper wet on the side or something, you know, um, some honey golds, as you will, you'll look the other way so that I can continue to flourish. So um, I kind of like that idea that Sheriff Bailey was that one person who, for whatever reason, just always accepted and, you know, tried to support Uncle Clifford you know, regardless of being the police and stuff like that, like if you've ever seen that before. Yeah. So I can see that too. One last thing that literally I just realized right now when y'all was talking, mm-hmm. um, 
Mm-hmm. I know we've talked about how Sheriff Bailey never um, misgenders Uncle Clifford, but I didn't realize, like, he's mm-hmm. the only one of that generation that doesn't misgender her. Like, we have Patrice, mm-hmm. we have Tidell, we have Sheriff Bailey, and we have Grandmother Ernestine. And the other three, even though Grandmother Ernestine doesn't do it the way Patrice and Tidell does it, Grandmother Ernestine still misgenders Clifford, and Sheriff Bailey's the only one that doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That just came to me. And I don't know why that is, but he, I mean, they obviously it's have some, some sort of friendly relationship mm-hmm. that we don't know everything about, but he doesn't do that at all, ever. Because it always throws me off when Ernestine goes, that boy came out the coochie switching, and I'm like, mm-hmm. that boy? Like, and I know it's no malicious intent, but it's like, of all the people, you know better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, we've spoken a lot, okay? So I need to get me some water, and on that note, Hey, what's up? It's your girl, Nay Baby, tuning in to the dopest radio show out there, Pink Sunday Radio, discussing everything and everyone P-Valley. So do what you do and come on through. What's happening, Pink Posse? It's your girl, Toria, and if y'all ain't tuning in to the hottest thing on the news, a.k.a. Pink Sunday Radio, then what are y'all doing? Go ahead, follow, and show my girl some love. Shout out to Pink Sunday Radio. The best radio show about the best TV show with the best fan base. Cast, crew, and creator approved. No one is doing it like these ladies. Hey, Pink Posse. This is your girl, Quee. Wanting to send a big shout out to my girls over there at Pink Sunday Radio. Doing it big. Discussing all things P-Valley. You guys remember to tune in for our Pink Sunday Fellowship. Pink Sunday Radio is all about keeping you informed of all things in Katori Hall's universe. With that being said, we have exciting news to share with you, Pink Posse. The Hot Wing King is a 2020 comedy drama play by award-winning playwright Katori Hall. It won a Pulitzer Prize for drama in 2021. The play follows Cordell, his boyfriend, and their friends in Memphis, Tennessee, preparing their culinary entry for the annual Hot Wing Festival. The cast are Nico Annan, Bajorn Dupatti, Miles Alexander Evans, Armand Fields, Jay Jones, and Calvin Thompson. Tickets are available at AllianceTheater.org. The play runs from February 10th through March 5th of 2023. Okay, I hope y'all stretched a little bit because I sure did. Okay, Hall. Can you 
and tell the listeners? Uh, I can if you talk for like two minutes and let me find the tweets and pull them up. (laughs) If I could give me like a minute or so to scroll up on the Discord. Hold on. Talk amongst yourselves. Okay, so you guys, Patrice, oh, God. Well, for one, I know that Tia has said countless of times about the ass whooping just wasn't good enough. As soon as Mercedes walked, it was put in the jail cell. She got right back to punching her mom. Now, I know me and Jai have said, you know, I don't know, punching your mama and stuff, but whoo, he didn't stole that money. So I can understand. I, I just don't know if that'll be me, but I, I, I do understand why it was done. Here, you still feel like the second round of punches weren't good enough, please. Definitely ain't got $20,000 worth of ass whooping. I don't care what y'all say. I need a few <laughs> more ass whoopings. And even then, it's not enough until she gives actual money back. Everything else oh, is just, I'm getting my money out you one way or another. <laughs> I'm either taking it out your ass or out the bank. Which one are we doing? Actually, you know what? I'm finna do both. Because I'm whooping your ass till I get my money. <laughs> she ain't got no money, Tommy. She got it. She be the way that she got that church set up in the second second season. Oh no, she's making some money. Well, as Patrice does, because that church seemed to do everything but churching. <laughs> they got, it was like a juke joint. <laughs> I don't know what was happening behind that curtain, but that didn't look like no church service. I will say, I was laughing my ass off when Tamika had pulled up the tweet by Nafisha and Brandy, because Nafisha said that she would go and see Patrice preaching, and then, damn, Tanika talking about, yeah, I go watch her preach on Easter Sunday. I'm like, really? I sure would. Really? Really, Tanika and Nafisha and Brandy? <laughs> Brandy, Brandy, retweeted, Brandy retweeted Nafisha talking about gas. <laughs> I she was telling y'all sometimes people like they passed her to walk with a limp. You want to know that they've been yeah, going through some stuff too. So Patrice got that, so they like, she a sinner too. So they listen to her because it's the fellow sinner speaking the facts. I can see it. I can see it. I mean, I can I can see them loving that mood, but I wouldn't go to her church because I feel like you can tell that she's just hemming and hawing a bunch of bullshit. She got song lyric lines in her. <laughs> I mean, I'm a, I'm a person who throws in stuff like that in yeah. conversation. But she said, yeah. ain't nobody supposed to be here that's done the things that I know. <laughs> she said, no, she said, 
Admiration. <laughs> See, that would make me go to the church. I want you to throw a little Mary J. Blige in your sermon. Put a little Deborah I'm Cox like, that's in there. I'm like, yeah. that was the part I liked. Exactly. <laughs> that's what drew me in. Like, what is it, full gospel? Yeah. I will be there Sunday. <laughs> Yeah, I admit that not probably her would, dropping, you know, reach the young folks. Not her dropping hot one hundred in her sermon, ma'am. Oh my goodness. Okay, Tamika, baby girl, you ain't got them them tweets, honey. I think I anyway. got what you want. I got them. I'm ready. I was just laughing with y'all. What you what you okay. want me to talk about? No, no, I just wanted you to bring up the fact that the writers had said it was biblical, sweetie. So I don't know if everybody wants to that. Now, I'm gonna be honest, I don't know what these Bible stories are. I don't I don't know what the story of Jonah and the whale <laughs> is. <laughs> but okay, so the writers room said, um, did y'all notice that the characters with name the characters with names we from Bible a, tales. I don't mean to inter. I don't even mean to interrupt. Oh, we got a call. You, I'm gonna answer this phone call. Yeah, hold okay. on one second. Hello. Hello. Who is this? This Tanzania. Hey, girl. Hey, Tanzania. Hey, how are you? We didn't even. Fine. How are you, dear? I'm good. Oh, I have this one little thought because I heard y'all talking about um, Clifford and being misgendered with Ernestine, and what popped up in my head was, we, well, technically we don't know when she changed her pronoun. So what if on that picture she was actually going as he, and she didn't misgender her? Oh, oh, that's a good thought. That's a thought. I see that. That's a good point because that's, that picture is actually Nico's, a, a real childhood picture of Nico. So yeah. in the picture, the mm-hmm. person is presenting as male. So maybe, yeah, maybe there was an age where Very they true. let Uncle Clifford decide, hey, my pronouns are. Because when Uncle Clifford was mm-hmm. that age, pronouns weren't even a thing. Like that's not mm-hmm. – like you, I'm sure that they didn't know how to refer to her, but I'm sure they weren't referring to her as her at that age. Yeah, that just popped right. in my head. Very I don't think you do that on purpose. Yes, I agree, Tanzania. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for adding that comment. This is this You're is welcome. what we want people to people to add to the conversation as as we're talking. Yes. Okay. Have a nice day, you guys. Thanks. Oh, yes, thank you. Thank you, sweetie. Okay. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. Oh, she's so sweet. Oh, yes. Thank you for adding that comment. See? All right. So. Did you want to okay, finish to Nico, and... what you were saying? Oh, um, yes, so we yes. were talking about the writer's room tweet. 
um, during this episode, they said, did y'all notice the characters with names from the Bible tale? Jonah the barber is named for the titular hero, and Nineveh named for the ancient city Jonah was called to travel to. Now, I can't tell y'all what all that means. <laughs> I don't... I don't know what Nineveh was in the Bible. I, it's, it's a city, I'm assuming. Um, they well, don't go into it. Go ahead. I'm thinking, I don't know, and this my Bible religion knowledge is very sparse, but Jonah and the whale is the, didn't the whale eat Jonah? And then mm-hmm. he cut through her cut through the whale's belly to escape. Is that the story? Yes. Yeah, yeah no. he yes. Absolutely. What? Uh, through the, I don't remember that part of Sunday school, but <laughs> I do know Oh, well, you tell me because <laughs> it wasn't no Sunday school in my world, so you probably know way more than me. <laughs> I, was, mm. I was very churchy mm. at a point in my life. So the, Jonah was supposed, God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, and Nineveh mm-hmm. was a city that was, you know, they was turning up. They was doing the most, and God told Jonah to go to Nineveh and tell them they need to get their shit together or, you know, it's going to be another situation. But I think Jonah was afraid to go. So Jonah was like, yeah, I'm going to go somewhere else. And so a whale swallowed up Jonah. I, I want to say this is correct. He swallowed up Jonah because he went the wrong way. And God didn't tell him to go that way. And he did not get out of the belly of the whale until he decided to do what God told him to do. But what I want to say mm-hmm. is I think it's interesting they brought that up. So are we supposed to think Jonah the barber be paying some visits to Nineveh? Is she is he one of those people yeah. who love what she got? <laughs> Correct. Probably. Correct. That's exactly what Not they're me. saying. Was Jonah the one? Not me going from Bible school to in to the barber shop and in the background said, "Look at this big bone Negro here." Do you don't think that was Jonah that said that? Because based on what no, Josh I no, I didn't said, think that was him. no, okay. I thought it was one of the the crew, one of the people in the in the background. But she sure did know Jonah's name. She came in at Jonah, <laughs> Jonah, no, Jonah Jenkins. Jonah is the one that said. <laughs> Jonah Jenkins, the one that said, "Ain't you supposed to be at the beauty shop, right?" Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, Nee22 or Nay22 said, I think the whale spit Jonah out. Yeah, so I can remember how Jonah got out. Yeah, but that's I know what, that's it wasn't what until I he... remember in CCE class. Yeah. I don't know how he got out, but Katori did say that I guess Jonah was in the whale for three days and three nights, and that's kind of reminiscent. Um, in Haley's story of searching for her daughter in the floodwaters for those three days and three nights. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. We done had us a little church on this Sunday. Okay, <laughs> we're passing out the offering plate, though. Okay, Pete Sunday. Okay. A little Sunday school. Okay. All right, well, we're going to move on from Sunday school, child, because uh, that's false prophecy right there. Anyway, all right, you guys, let's, <laughs> let's move on to Haley picking up babies. 
Baby girl was crying, honey, because you know it ain't nothing like somebody who have it together and then somebody got to save them. Y'all have, y'all, have y'all had any of that kind of, any of those well, kind of situations where you, you have it together? What you about to say, Tanika? Before we get to that, can we talk about uh, all the girls going down to the yeah. bail bondsmen to, to try to oh, bail her out? Yeah. My bad. Right. Yeah, my bad. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, girl. Uh, you done passed up like the whole thing. She's like, that was no, cute. no, good no, 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 no. Don't do me, cause I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the time, and baby, I, I'm just, I'm like, you know what? I just I know, think. baby, that scene we where he's grabbing that cheek. We got to get to the kisses. Look, 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 look. I was, I was thinking about that sucking of that lip, honey. So I, I had skipped my bad. Oh. <laughs> oh, baby. Girl, you know. Let's talk. You done went to second let's base. Talk, Come on, let's talk already. Okay. Baby, let's talk about the bell bondsman with his old nasty ass. You just know he been in jail for some nasty shit. Uh-huh. So Mercedes, I mean, Mississippi, she's not a headliner, but she strips regularly. Gidget strips regularly. Jupiter strips regularly. They can't, they're having trouble all putting together $2,000. I really need some financials on what happens at the bank <laughs> because they're doing a lot of stripping for what seems like freaking pennies. What the hell is going on? Because there is never a time... Tuckalisa isn't expensive. Um, Miss Mississippi, they got a little place and stuff, but, you know, intermittently Derek does work at the shop or whatever the fuck he does. Jupiter, like, they, they're like not headliners, but they're the all-stars. So they'll be up there a lot. But they never have no money. So to hmm. me, this was Mercedes bullshit and not theirs. To me, it was like, what is Mercedes doing with, with her money? Because when it was $2,000, they was all marching in there ready to put their stacks down. But now it's $6,000 because I got to pay your excise tax and your moving violations and your parking tickets. Why am I paying all of that? You, you, you lecture these girls all the time about stack your money, stack your money, but you're not paying your own excise tax. I got to pay your excise tax and your, your parking tickets to get you out of jail. I'm with Yoli. Like, it's the first of the month. I got bills. I can't pay your bills, too. Now, I'm going to get you out of jail. You call me and say, you beat your mama ass, come get me out of jail. I'm on my way, just like the rest of the girls. But I'm not paying all this other stuff. I agree that with Yoli 100%. That is a good 100%. point. I, I agree that they shouldn't have paid the extra. It was how they were taking so long to get to 2000 But to your point, yeah, so you've been saving, you know, this 239 a month, but you ain't been paying your parking ticket? Mm-hmm. Like, after this whole lecture you just gave them, if you don't get the entire fuck out of here... No, and like, um, uh, who asked that? Haley asked, would she have done it? No, she would not have done it for them. And she would have cussed their ass out mm-hmm. for calling her phone and asking her to come down there and pay for them to get out of jail. So I have no problem with them leaving her right up in there. Sorry. I like the sisterhood of the fact that, you know, Gidget and Mercedes weren't really on good terms at that time. And mm-hmm. if you, but if you look, at the pictures inside Gidget's house 
um, at the pictures they have on their mirrors. Girl, like, that's a trivia know, question. Calm down. Calm down. Oh, well, that, look, y'all going to have to look. Okay. <laughs> y'all got to let me know. Look, okay, we need to meet. Somebody put this dot in. We got to have a meeting to put the trivia questions in because, look, you got me fucking up the church's money, and I ain't mean <laughs> So guy will get back. They seem like they're pretty close, and um, and I love the fact that we're beefing, right, And but we're sisters, and you need me. So even though I ain't really trying to hear all that, let me come to you, and I think that should have. I thought that was a really humbling moment, also for Mercedes, when you see that she hangs up and she's like, "I love you," you know. Even though Gidget didn't really get to hear that, that's also a moment where we get to see Mercedes' human, her humanity, you know, her feelings and emotions, because she really does love the girls, even though she's hard on them, and she's probably hard on them because she wants them to learn something you know, so that they too can rise. But I, I love that because I'm like that with people. We could fall out. If we tight like we're supposed to be, we can fall out. You know, I don't want to hear from you. We don't talk to you. But if it come down to it and you need me, I'll put that to the side, show up for you, and then tell you don't call me no more after that, you know. <laughs> so. Lord, Lord. I'm a work in progress. Okay. Oh, Lord. Okay, then. All right. So now that we've done the, the anything else to add to the bond? Nope, I don't think so. Okay. So Haley picks up Sadie's. Um, at this point, you guys, were y'all in your head, were you like, yay, they're just going to become a duo. This is kind of exciting. You know what I'm saying? Because I know how y'all felt about Haley and everything, but here with Mercedes, it really kind of gave, you know, a little set it off. You know, I, I'm telling y'all, yeah. the only way that I really vibed with Haley was when she was with Sadie. I felt like that was mm-hmm. such a good moment. Uh, and then from there, it was just like, yes, this makes sense. This makes sense because otherwise I couldn't. Yeah. At that I moment, actually didn't like Haley or Mercedes. <laughs> until oh, um, okay. these moments. Right. So I was very shocked to see that it was Haley who picked her up. And th- that moment in the car where she's still trying to hold it all together, but she finally has to let all that fake hard, you know, fake unbothered, fake I, you know, nothing ever touches me. She finally has that moment where she releases you know, everything. Her mom stole her money. She's in jail, you know, that hopelessness. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to have that moment in front of a person who you've kind of been, has kind of been your enemy, you know, so to say, or someone mm-hmm. you've been battling with. But they have that moment. And I will say mm-hmm. this, they're fr- I did want to see those moments between them. And when Haley started opening up and Mercedes started opening up and I got to see mm-hmm. um, who they really were, 
I did really actually at that point want more Haley, more Mercedes. Um, I was actually looking forward to them being a dynamic duo um, for season two. And then, um, but then instead, you know, Elarica, I'm not sure how you pronounce um, her name, um, she decided to leave. And so they break up the friendship. I don't know if they decided to break up the friendship because she decided to leave, but, you know, that takes place. And then Haley's attitude went back to that attitude that I didn't like, you know. So I, I, um, I'm actually kind of sad that we didn't get more of that. Okay. Um, I think that what we see here is something that we cover in a bonus episode that's going to be coming out this week, so look out for it. But we talk about what I think what broke them up with Haley, which is a thread of self-sabotaging because they really were becoming close. Mm -hmm. And then it's like as soon as you see this thread in all of Haley's relationships that we've seen so far, from Andre to Uncle Clifford to Mercedes, as soon as she gets close, she starts to sabotage it. The only person we've not seen her do that with is Mississippi. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very Um, true. I don't think at this point for me, I saw them like being a duo. I think that really started the next episode. I think for me, what stood out is, I mean, I was surprised that Haley was the one to go down there and put the whole, whatever it was, close to $6,000 on Mercedes bail. But she still had ulterior motives for doing that. Like, it wasn't wow. the kindness of her heart, right? She did it so that she could maybe try to convince Mercedes to help her with Get her scam. Money. Yeah, so it was still Haley doing the things that Haley does. Mm-hmm. Instead yeah. of, like, that being too. a friend, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But do you think that was her motive yeah. at first? I think But then so. they, you know, moved into that friendship. Because that moment where she tells Mercedes about her daughter and stuff like that, I definitely feel like that wasn't just let me, you know, throw something at you that makes you trust me. I feel like that was a real moment mm-hmm. between them. So, I, you know, like maybe she started off with negative intention, but it led to real friendship, really. Yeah, and I, I almost that. feel like Haley is the only person she's really shared that with because I haven't seen – Mercedes' daughter come up in any other conversation with any of the other characters. I've never seen her and Gidget talk about it. I've never seen her and Mississippi talk about it. So I think this is one of the mm-hmm. first times and only times in the series we see Mercedes actually open up about what's happening with Terica. I don't know that she's hiding it from other people, but, you know, it's a sore subject, and she's probably just trying to work through it. But I think that was very cathartic for Mercedes, which is what made her, like, get a little closer to Haley's because they shared something, and she was able to open up. And because Haley's had a similar situation, she didn't feel like she was going to be judged. She didn't feel like, you know, it was going to be – she was going to be looked down upon. It was like, whew, I'm glad I finally got that out. Yeah. Okay. All right. So before we get to the big climax, um, let's talk about the barbershop scene real quick. Um, because I know that Tamika is going to be very, very excited about this moment. 
And for me, like I said last night, I'm just like, oh, my God, how are you just so hateful? If this is, if this is Ashley Tidell's child, ugh, it's just so despicable. Now that this theory has come into play, um, it's just so despicable watching it. It's just I want to just chunk something at the TV every time I see that gold tooth and his voice and just everything about Tidell just makes me fucking sick. Anyway, so let's get into this damn barbershop scene. He making some stupid-ass joke or just talking in the middle of the barbershop. It makes no sense what he's saying. I don't even give a fuck what he's saying. Cliff walks in and, you know, whatever, whatever. Go ahead, guys. So, um... The biggest thing about, okay, first before I get into the scene itself, I want to say that it warmed my soul when this scene came on that all up and down my timeline, we were collectively calling him Cliff Daddy. Like, that is like his actual <laughs> character in the show. Every single person's like, Cliff Daddy doing too much. Cliff Daddy acting up. I do not like Cliff Daddy in this scene, and I just was cracking up going down my timeline because we have collectively said that this is Cliff Daddy. Anywho, back to the scene. This scene, this interaction with them in this scene was actually really jolting to me compared to 102, and the thing about... So Katori and the writers take great care to show the angel and devil in every character, the good and the bad. And overall, Tydell as a character has both qualities. Like there's definitely some redeeming stuff about his character as far as his care for the city and like the paying the water bills for the people and stuff like that. But this scene, I don't care. There is no amount of good Tydell could have done. The way that he treated Uncle Clifford in this scene, to me, he's just a trash-ass person all around because it was so unnecessary, so much venom, and it was so jolting compared to their interaction earlier in the series. Yeah, I agree. Like, the the over-the-top, unnecessary vitriol just came out of nowhere for me. And for her to, like, sit there and take it, I tried to think of any single other person in this uh, show that she would sit and allow to talk to her that way. And I, I can't mm-hmm. imagine who it would be like what would have happened and how would she have shown out in this barbershop if Andre sat in that chair and talked to her like this, it would not have went there. She would not have sat there meekly and not opened her mouth. She would have showed out in this, in this barbershop and she just doesn't hear and that, I mean, just watching her sit there quietly is jarring for me when I watch this scene. And I think it's such a big difference in how their conversation went prior to to this day. You know, like, I know he's upset that she's putting a wrench in his plans, and I know that's part of, well, I mean, she hasn't done anything major yet, but her knowledge and her getting the information, you know, I know he's upset, but it doesn't, um, it's not an excuse. And let's just take away the theory that even if you take away the theory that he is her father, it's disgusting, period. 
you know, you're you're the mayor of this town and you're supposed to, you know, hold yourself to some regard, but you feel comfortable um, being this disrespectful. And so I, it, those these are one of the moments, too, that makes me feel like he definitely holds a position in her life that because of, like, our culture, like, sometimes, like we talked about earlier, the thing where we're like, you never hit your mom, you know, and, yes, as we evolve, a lot of us are like, eh, no, some of us got some type of mamas that you need to, you know, do something with. You know, we were raised that your elders were to be respected no matter what, and we're coming out of that that now. And so I definitely feel like this is one of those moments that does make me go back and say, well, maybe so, because, again, it would have, what did Tia say, it would have took Jesus and 12 other white men to get, other to get white me up men. off mm-hmm. the talking to me like that in there, you know, so most definitely. Yeah, I, I don't have anything to add. It's truly, truly a pain in my ass, even on my screen. And that is now the theory. So I, it's 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 heartbreaking. Like I am very invested in Uncle Clifford. I feel like she is one of the most. I don't know. Like I just never. TV is such a huge part of my life, and always has been. It's it's. It's an escape, right? And so um, I connect with a lot of characters, always have, you know, always have. And I feel like Uncle Clifford is just one of the, one of the most riveting and beautiful layered characters that I've ever watched in a really, really, really long time, and it's like, I care for her. You know? I care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, you know? Um, I know it's just a character, but it's funny because it's like, Nico, who plays the character, I also care for him because he's such a good human. You know how sometimes a person will play a character mm-hmm. and they're a dick in real life? They are terrible in real life. They are terrible motherfucking humans in real life. So because Nico, and I haven't met him in real life, but what I'm saying is people who have met him talk about how much of a good human he is and you've watched enough interviews to know how just gracious and lovely and eloquent he eloquent he of the character that you are just you just love Uncle Clifford. So to watch the kind of um, disgusting nature that someone speaks to her, it it really pisses you off. So it's really hard for me as an audience to watch someone talk to her like that Um, because you know how much she cares about people around her and you know she's just trying to save her business 
save her girls. You know, like she said, she's just trying to graduate these girls. She's trying to make sure they're not giving head. You know, she it, she's just mm-hmm. trying to do the right thing. You know, she's just trying to do the right thing. She's just trying to love on people. That's it. And you know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe, well, maybe I'm that's just too emotional. No, but I also, yeah. listening to you talk, it made me think of something. Remember, Tydell wants to single-handedly make it rain down on Chuckalisa. He wants to have, he wants to be the person who people say, you know, who really made a difference in Chuckalisa, Tydell Ruffin. Mm-hmm. However, right now, that title is Uncle Clifford. Uncle Clifford is the mayor of Pussy Valley. If you need something done, you go to Uncle Clifford. Uncle Clifford has the respect mm-hmm. And she's, like you said, she's graduating the hoes and making sure everybody's, you know, doing this. She's giving jobs to the unemployable. <clears throat> so right now she has that respect, like that, like even we have. She's a character, and we have a respect for her and who she is and what she does. But maybe Tydell is upset with her because that's what he wants for himself. Yeah. As the first black mayor yeah. of Chuckalisa. Oh, uh, all I see is that gold piece. <laughs> when you said that, girl, that's all I saw. Ugh. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we have 34 minutes, and I guess it's time to get to the climax of the episode. I'm chicken wow okay, wow. Fine. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That is so, I swear to God, I'm going to pull this from the episode, and that will be on the recording. That I, that's gonna be a drop, I swear. Okay. Well, y'all say it's fashion over men, but no, that has to be Gucci. It has to be something else. Y'all did not say that. To it might have been Pucci, y'all been but that wasn't no damn Gucci. That was not no, no Gucci. <laughs> <laughs> not Gucci. Now we know murder is not checking for no coochie, clothes oh or otherwise. So. Mm-mm. She said Poochie. Oh, Poochie? Right? Didn't you say Poochie? I said Poochie. All I know is whatever it was. I thought you said Poochie. That wasn't no Gucci. We have, this is not, well, he was apparently wearing Gucci at, you know, the first time, you know, him and my kids, Sush, you know, made that jukebox fight for his life. But none of these outfits look like Gucci. Tanika and mm. Tia. Jai thought Jai thought you said coochie with a C, bro. <laughs> I did. I was like, coochie? I was going to let it rock. I wasn't even going to call it out, but look at coochie. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> she said, wait a Mississippi minute, bitch. That shit said poochie. She wasn't okay. looking for that either, but I digress. Okay, so you know it's number one on the Chuckalisa Billboard charts, honey, and it's going up in the club. Um, Falling is getting played. I don't know how many times. It feels like that's the only song getting played at the time. <laughs> the only okay, one. it's it's 
That's the only. Oh. <laughs> 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 this never scared say she black China or something. Somebody, she the next black China. And I was like. She going to be the next black, black China. I was like, is that really the goal? Like, baby, come on with something. I brush up on my black China knowledge. Because right. I, yeah, she was like, she was what she was doing? Because what, I, mean, what I know of her, I hope not. I mean, she, you know, she was a great stripper, but I mean, I, okay, we ain't going to do that to her. I don't but know okay. she was a stripper. Um, I know that. Yeah, know she, she was, was for Tyga. I've never actually seen, like, I've seen, yeah. like, Cardi B's. I've seen Jocelyn's. I've seen other people's videos of them stripping, which they all killed. I've never seen a Black China video of when she was a stripper. Uh-huh. Okay, because the only mm-hmm. thing I knew she did was get pregnant by one of them, Card- uh, by that Kardashian boy. I didn't know what else she did. That's so many years oh, late, y'all. It was a whole bunch before. <laughs> <laughs> I told y'all I didn't watch TV for like 12 um, years. I have no idea what oh, she yeah. did prior oh, yeah. to that. She ain't my favorite oh, person, but really? I ain't finna do it like that. <laughs> God. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. I, yeah. I didn't know what no, she did prior China, to that. Here come Kendra yeah, with the Black China was one of the first to make a million dollars at King of Diamonds. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes, Let's go huh? for respect on her name then. Yeah, I didn't know she, all that. She, she did her thing. Yeah, she did her thing stripping. That's why I was like, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, but I was like, she going to be the next. <laughs> That's why I was like, she going to be the next black time. I, I felt like there was a that, more current but, um, stripper that he could have referenced, but then again, this is Chuckalisa, so maybe Chuckalisa. that is their, like, their big one is Black China. It's got to be a stripper that's more current that's been doing her thing than Black China. I mean, if anything, Definitely. the way that they did in 205, it would have been Jocelyn or, or, or something like that. The way Jocelyn you know, or Dime or Gigi him. McGuire or Dime, anybody. Yeah, Jessica Dime or something. But, okay, cool. We spent a time on that. Anyway, um, so we see um, Big L is counting like he usually do, okay? And they having to rob Peter to pay Paul, and she said, well, you better rob Paul pay Pamnesia. Like, basically, the books are cooked. And did y'all see? I mean, Big L is right in the books, honey. He is trying. But the, at the end of the day, the math is not mathing. And I need Cliff to understand that. He constantly telling Big L, nigga, just count. Just count. And it's like nothing is adding up, Cliff. When are you? I don't understand. But anyway, murder, pass on the job. He say, how a little nigga know how to get back here? Okay? And then from now, it's going up. Okay, who who want to go ahead and start off here? Okay? How about we get started with y'all? Okay, come on, y'all. Let's go ahead and break First this First of out. all, I love that moment because Big L knew good and damn well how a little nigga know how to get back there. Yep. And Uncle Clifford... <laughs> 
<laughs> Uncle Clifford was not doing a good job of being incognito. He like, um, ain't it uh, time for your break? Bitch, you could have just been like, um, yeah, but I got to talk to him about this little, you know, club thing situation. You know, just give us a little space. That would have been more believable than, um, is it time for your uh, break? Uh. And he like, hell no, nah, I ain't never had a break. <laughs> I was born, sell out my mama coochie, went right to work for the paint. What are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? And so, um, but I thought it was cute. I, you know, that he comes in, well, Murda, you know, shows up, and he's trying to do a little, you know, a little, you know, got a little complaint, you know what I'm saying? You know, you get a little whack-ass game going. And <laughs> Unc is acting like she wasn't letting him adjust her wig from the back the night before. Like, ma'am, he he almost mm. put you inside the jukebox, and he comes to the door today, and you're like, um, can I can I help you with something? Yeah. He wants you to help him what here? <laughs> get that dick. <laughs> That's what you can help him with. <laughs> Lord, man, you acting. She was acting, but it was cute. I love, you know, oh I don't want to say everything because I want to let everybody talk, but it was so much about this scene that um, that I loved. I loved that he gave her his name, you know, and I realized in that moment that meant something, you know. He's like, no, mm-hmm. I'm not coming to you today as LaMarta. This LaMarcus, I want you to know that I'm serious. And, uh, yeah, them, them kisses were serious, too, but I'm going to let somebody else talk, Mama. Oh, so this is one of my favorite scenes of the entire series. Um, I just everything about murder, like I told y'all to me, murder up until the date, murder was just kind of like this young kind of dusty dude that you can tell he's got some confidence about him and he's got a little game because you know he was making my good sis fall out that first time in the paradise room when there was definitely some knob slobs I don't care what nobody says but anywho (laughs) (laughs) anywho but (laughs) this scene First and foremost, when Lil Murder walks in and Big L's coming out, like, he could have, like, punked out, but he looked Big L straight in the eye, like, yeah, I'm here for her and what? And I've always loved that. And then when he, and I have more to say about the scene, but I want to let Tanika talk, too, um, and Koji, but because there's something I noticed last night that I didn't notice or uh, something in watching the episode this week that made me think differently about something we've talked about before, but everything about this conversation, the quiet confidence, the persistence, the reassurance in the persistence, everything about this scene with murder. And this scene not only made me fall in love with murder, but made me fall in love with them as a couple. Cause before then I just wasn't seeing it or feeling it. I thought it was a little, and you know I told y'all for me like murder was doing too much too soon with almost everything that he was doing and 
like I didn't know if like the jukebox if that was going to be a one-off and they were going to go their separate ways but when he the way that everything that he did with her in this scene was the the reassurance I was like oh I want to see where this relationship goes but I do have another thing but I'll let Tanika go right um (laughs) so um I think I agree with that well first of all I think Big L wanted to see what lie Uncle Clifford was going to tell because he knew what was going on. He did all of that to see what she was going to say, and she fumbled it. She didn't know what to say. She could have just told him. What the hell? What is he going to say? She could have been honest. Um, But for me, this is where I started to ship them. Like, the show got me hooked with them in the Paradise Room on that first episode. But I wasn't really sure what this relationship was. And I have some problems with some of the stuff that Murder did in this room that we'll talk about maybe later if we have time. But um, I started to maybe take them more seriously here with the things he said. I felt that he was really sincere. I don't think Uncle Clifford was too sure about him before you know, this conversation that they had here in this room when he gave her, her his real name and and he was um, really sincere about maybe we can, this can be more of a relationship than just sucking and fucking in the dark because she thought that's all they were going to be. Um, so I started to believe that the series started to believe in that maybe was curious about her also. Yeah, uh, I agree with everything you guys said, actually, everything you ladies said. Um, I wasn't sure where this was going as far as um, seriousness. Because I I knew what happened in the Paradise Room, um, but at that time, it was just like, okay, little nigga just wanted to get his music played. You know, he knows that Cliff is, you know, head bitch in charge. Like, she runs everything. So, and he tried to get his music played. And, but then, um, this was when, and even with the juice box, like, I was like, okay, cool, okay, boo, boo, boo. But this is when I felt like mm-hmm. he, show, he showed that he cared, like, like cared, cared. And there was really a lot of softness, like softness. 104 was all about, like, oh, okay, we, we did with it, you know. But this was, like, softness. I don't care what may happen out on the outside when we go out on a date. And, like, Cliff had to be legit real with him. Like, this is not fantasy outside. Like, they killing people out here because he, I don't know what was in his head, but that just goes to show you his lack of experience or lack of knowledge of, of what um, a, a gay or queer relationship is like because I mean, and then we we now know you know he was in jail, peak and and all that kind of stuff. So it just goes to show you his inexperience because he was just like, yeah, let's go out on a date, let's do this, let's do that. And Cliff was like, uh, 
they had their booty holes turned out. They was in the field. They was in this. And he was like, oh, great. But it still shows that he really, really wanted to have genuine time telling her his name. So I felt, I felt this is this is really when I was like, oh shit, here I go, standing another fucking couple. Damn, they just gonna take me on a roller coaster. Hope they don't break up. Boo boo boo. But I'm on the I'm on the ride. So yeah, I, I thought it was a beautiful moment. The kisses were passionate. Like it, it was beautiful. I, I loved the whole moment. I, I didn't I didn't know exactly what the whole fear about Mississippi seeing them. Well, I felt, I mean, I know that was a little thing with me and Tamika last night. I, I felt like I, I don't know. We're, I guess we're, we don't have the time. It's like 19 minutes up. That's so that's later. the part <laughs> that I saw differently in this scene. So we have all mm-hmm. talked about, like, what is so weird that he's like, we're going to suck and fuck in the dark. And then as soon as Mercedes saw them, it was like, oh, fuck. And I think what I saw this week watching it, because I watched it a few times this week. So at this point, we're in 2019. Based on what Teak has said, murder was in prison at some point in 2017. So at most, he's been out one to two years. Like if he got out, like, because this is like the last six months of 2019 is when this season is supposed to be taking place. So if he got out mid-2017, he's been out 22 years at the most. So, but what I saw here that I I think I framed it different because we frame things differently, different points. I don't think that murder was saying we're immediately not going to suck and fuck in the dark. I think what we see here is something that we see in both of these characters in different ways throughout the series. If you notice, Unc, every time she says stuff, especially when it comes to the relationship, it is very, very finite. We don't do that, and we're never going to do that. Like, almost everything from when she breaks up with him in 210 before the tour and stuff like that, everything is so finite, like, nah, that's not what's going to happen. But if you notice with murder, so there's a book by Carol Dweck that's called Mindset, and talks about two different mindsets, growth mindset and fixed mindset. Fixed mindset people are like, wherever I am right now, that's how it's always going to be. That's it. That's all. Growth mindset people recognize where they are, but there is a goal where it's like, yeah, I may be broke right now, but one day I'm going to have money. I may be unknown right now, but one day I'm going to be a famous rapper. And I think we see Ankh has a lot of fixed mindset stuff about her, like, Her identity is the pink and I graduate these girls. She doesn't think anything beyond that. She lives in Chukalisa. She's never talked about or thought about living anywhere else. I live in Chukalisa and that's it. And in her relationship, she has realized relationships a certain way. So it's we're not from the outside. We're not for the outside. We don't do dates. We don't do that. Whereas murder to me, recognizes all of those things, of course, because he is in the closet at this point, but he sees, but one day we won't be in the closet. One day I want to not be sucking and fucking in the dark. And I feel like that's more what he was communicating here is like when he says, so that's how it's always going to be. I think his thing was, yes, that's how it is now, but one day I don't want to be that. 
And I don't think he was declaring he was ready to come out right now. I think he's like telling her, yes, this is how it is, but I need you to be with me on one day we won't have to do that. Because if you look at Murda, his thought process, he was sitting on my lap, something he worked on forever, and probably wasn't getting a whole lot of good reviews, but he's still like, but one day I'm going to be a famous rapper. If you look at how he pursued Unk, I wouldn't still be talking to nobody that goes to me for five months. I don't give a fuck how much I liked you. After about a month of me reaching out and you don't reach back, like, I knew you at one time, but I know you anymore. But his thought process the whole time was, one day she's going to give me the time and we're going to fix it. So I think, whereas I always thought... I can't believe he was saying we gonna suck and fuck in the dark and then two minutes later he was scared. I think we put a little more on to what he was expressing at this point in this scene. That was my new thoughts. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So real quick, Sinek, I'm gonna come back to you. Um okay. we have fifteen minutes left, which is really ten minutes. Um, before we close out the show, if you have any thoughts on anything that we've said, the guest call-in number is 515-602-9305, no, sorry, 515-602-9773. Okay, go ahead, Tanika. So I like a lot of what Tia just said. Because I think my main problem with the talk around this scene is the idea that, oh, he was so ready to be out and open with Uncle Clifford. And I just don't believe that. So Tia saying that he wanted to do those things maybe one day or he wanted to work towards those things with her um, sounds better to me. Because I always say he sat in her face and said, just tell me where you want to go. What happens if she says, well, I want to go to the Hot Wing Castle tomorrow night? Do they go? He's not, he's not ready for that. What happens if they go to the Hot Wing Castle and the HVH OG is in there? Or somebody that, whose ass he can't beat says something slick? He's going to flex. To me, the flexing that happened in Murder Night was inevitably going to happen even if it didn't happen there because he wasn't ready for all of these things that he's telling her he wants in this room. It was like um, Tony Bryce, who plays Nineveh, said he was trying to walk before he crawled. He, He was being impulsive to me in this room and asking for a lot of things that he wasn't ready for. So to me, that's why as soon as he, I mean, it's easy to make promises when the door is closed and the curtains are drawn, but as soon as Mississippi was peeking through the window, all of a sudden the panic comes back because he he was being impulsive in saying these things. And maybe it wasn't impulse if I take into consideration what Tia said, but watching it then, to me, it was impulsive. Um, and he hadn't fully thought about all the things that he was telling her in this room that he wanted. Yeah, and I I mean, I get what y'all are saying, but just from a perspective of, like, sometimes when you really, really, because I think it's possible to, you know, Love at first sight. I believe in 
you know, you can love, fall in love easily. Um, it can happen quickly type thing. And for somebody like murder, I do feel like, yeah, it's one of those things where he kind of crawled, he got ahead of the, got ahead of himself and everything like that. Um, but I feel like he truly believed that it was a hot wind castle tomorrow that he could do it. You know, like mm-hmm. I, the whole Cliff is an eclipse. Cliff is like funnel cake once in a year. Like it's like, oh my god, you know. I think it's something that his heart really, really wanted to do. Like when you meet someone that you feel is so awesome that he wanted to do it. And it's unfortunate because a lot of people would love to do things and then in an instant, like the Mercedes thing happened, right, it's kind of like, fuck, you know. And then the next day he meets up with her and it's like, I don't know what you thought you saw, you know. And right. then it, they got to figure out a plan, right, and everything else. Because it's like, what, mur- what murder? I don't know what you thought you saw. And it's like, uh, you, you saw exactly what you saw. But then it became like my career type thing, right? And then we saw how he was murder night, you know. And and then somebody brought up about Wody telling him, about his career. So it's just really unfortunate because that happens with so many fucking people. You meet someone that blows your mind, that changes your whole fucking world, and you want to just go go anywhere with them, you know, in an instant. You, you want to go to the Hot Wing Castle tomorrow, you know, and you say it. You say it out loud. Yes, baby, anything. And then one moment, you, you can't do that. So I, I just I totally believe that's what he wanted to do, you know. But, no, I you know, I agree with that. I, I got long winded. <laughs> I don't I don't think he was um, disingenuous in any of the things that he said to Uncle Clifford in the room. I just don't think he he was ready to do the things that. that he was saying he was ready for. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't and I think yeah, the other thing we have to also realize is something that Murda has said. Every other dude he's ever dealt with has been like him, has been like where it looks Mm -hmm. like two homies hanging out. So Mm -hmm. I think that's part of he's never dealt with an Uncle Clifford before, anybody that appears Mm -hmm. like her. So in his mind, I'm going to go on a date with you like I went on a date with all my other Mm -hmm. dudes. Mm -hmm. And like Mm -hmm. what Tanika said with the Mm -hmm. impulse, it's like then it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, wait, you're not one of my other dudes. Like, even mm-hmm. if we go out just as friends, people are going to be looking and asking mm-hmm. questions. And I think that's the part yeah, where it's because- an impulse <clears throat> and an immaturity and a just like, oh, yeah. shit, because this isn't yeah. Teak. This isn't going to look like it looks when me and Teak go out. Yeah. This isn't going to look yeah. like it looks when me and the other dudes go out. Yeah, because even if he wearing a do-rag, even if she's wearing, sorry, even if she's wearing a do-rag, she still gonna put on lipstick and eyelashes. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, uh-huh. yeah, he he won't be getting homeboy with Tim's. Like you, you're gonna be getting Cliff do rag lipstick eyelashes Tim's booty shorts. So yeah, 
Yeah, and I think murder would have gone out with Cliff. Like, let's say this wasn't this romantic sexual thing, and like, let's say that was just the homie. Like, Cliff was really just Mm -hmm. his homie. I think murder would have went out with him, with her, just as a homie, and been shocked at what happened. Like, I think that even just going out of friends and the looks and the conversations, even like, Mm -hmm. y'all, like, that whole thing would have totally shocked him. It would have made him think of it differently because that's just not how murder thinks. Like, he, like he says, he doesn't understand, he accepts. So if that was his homie, he would have been like, hey, let's go up to the hot wing castle and get some lemon pepper wet. And then when they walked in and all the shit happened, he'd be like, what the fuck? Yep. I agree. That's what I'm saying. I feel like he's so, like, I feel like murder is just one of those people. Like you said, he just accepts, and he would have been like, what the fuck y'all looking at? Because we don't know his background. We There's so much we don't know about murder, you know? We really don't. And I feel like he is legit one of those people that just accepts people for whomever they are. You know, like wherever they come from, it it really don't matter. If you cool, you cool. He's one of those people. If you respect me, I respect you. If you don't respect me, if you don't respect me, we got a problem. I feel like that's how he that type of dude. Okay, um, so nobody's calling. We have basically like one minute left, in my opinion. So I want to thank everybody in the chat, which I haven't been able to be in the chat. I'm sorry, you guys. You know how it is for me. Um, Do y'all want to shout out anybody in the chat, or is there any thoughts? Let me see. Um, What did Lex say? Oh, Lex said, during the office scene, we are looking at LaMarcus and not Lil Murder. I think that is how the idea. Identity crisis came about in season two. Oh, Queek says, in my mind, I feel murder knew these people wouldn't drag Unk's business like that. Okay. So there's a lot of conversation in the chat. I feel like people who listen, I know sometimes people like to call in, but don't like to chat or chat but don't like to call in type thing. Um, But if you're listening to the show, I really do advise to chat because it's a great way to get out your thoughts as well. Um, And it's free to create an account. So I appreciate, appreciate everyone who's listening right now, but I really do appreciate people who have gotten a free account and are chatting. So um, Chunky Lights, me22, D. Jones, Britt, uh, Kendra, uh, John Tisha. Did you get Chunky Malunky in there? Chunky, I thought I said Chunky. I thought I said Chunky Malunky. I wasn't sure. Sheeny TG was in the chat today. New first time chat. Sheeny TG. Oh, yeah, I don't know that person. Oh, thank you, first time. Appreciate it. Okay. All right, girl. Well, I'm going to go ahead and start closing us out. Um, I'm Tia. 
Um, Minnie is Max on Twitter and Tia Down in the Valley on Instagram. And like we always say, or at least I always say, make sure that you are um, connected to us on Twitter because that's where everything drops first. And we've got some great stuff with you. We kind of hinted at it a little bit, but we've got some trivia and some games and some things like that that you'll see dropping on Twitter. So just make sure you're plugged in and tweeting and retweeting and doing all that. Ja, what you got? Well, um, you can find me on Twitter as Ja the Goddess, on Instagram as Ja underscore the underscore goddess. And um, just make sure you keep your eyes open for the bonus content. You know, um, we like to give a little extra because we appreciate how much support that you guys show us. And so um, keep your FBI eyes open, as I always say, for the bonus content of the week. Tanika? Um, Y'all know I'm at your girl Jiggy on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me over there. If you haven't already, you can follow Pink Sunday Radio um, on Instagram. If you're looking for that bonus content that uh, Ja was talking about, you can go over to PinkSundayRadio.com and catch that there. That usually drops on Thursday. While you're over there, if you have a little bit of time, leave us a five-star review. If you got a little extra time, leave us a five-star written review. Shout out to Love Jones underscore 85 who left us a five-star uh, written review this week. They said um, that we've become part of their Sunday ritual, so we appreciate them for that. Thank you so much. Um, anybody else that has time, go do that for us also. Uh, Koji, what do you want to tell them? You can follow me at Koji Mama Instagram as well as Twitter. Um, and that's about it. I'm going to inform you of the vote once again, five days left, and that is it. Look out for everything that the girls have said, and that's it. All right. Go ahead and hit us with that outro, Koji. Already What's up, Pink Posse? Have you heard the word? P-Valley has been nominated for several NAACP Image Awards. Those categories are Outstanding Drama Series, Outstanding Actor, Nico Onan, Outstanding Actress, Brandi Evans, Outstanding Supporting Actor, J. Alphonse Nicholson, Outstanding Supporting Actress, Loretta Devine, as well as Outstanding Soundtrack slash Compilation Album. Now, family, this is what I need you to do. Go to vote.naacpimageawards.net. You have until February 10th until the poll closes. Remember, one vote per email. The show will air live on BET February 25th, 2023. Thank you and congratulations to P Valley. You deserve it. Appreciate y'all for listening to the show. You can find us on Blog Talk Radio by using the link bit.ly slash Pink Sunday. For Apple Podcasts, go to PinkSundayRadio.com. 
Make sure after listening to the replay, you leave a five-star rating in the review, as well as a subscribe. For Google Podcasts, go to PinkSundayRadio.com slash Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify at PinkSundayRadio.com slash Spotify. Hope to see you at the next episode.